This podcast is sponsored by the FG Barnes Group with showrooms in Canterbury and Maidstone, offering a range of new and approved used cars, including MG, Seat and Vauxhall. Kent Online News. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast. Nicola Everett. Hello, hope you're okay. Thanks ever so much for downloading today's podcast on Thursday, June the 23rd. The second of three rail strikes this week is well underway and there's a warning today there'll be even more to come. The RMT union who've organised the walkouts say the threat of compulsory redundancies is the main sticking point in talks between them and Network Rail. They're also calling for better pay. Well, Nick and Martin work at Ashford Station and join the picket line on the first day of the strike. We believe that our pensions should be uh, saved and protected. Um, we believe that job, we shouldn't have any job losses because uh, 3,000 job losses are going to happen. And we have another pay rise of three years, a pay for freeze for five. So this is a catalyst for, I think, most industries and for other workplaces like barristers, teachers nurses, junior doctors, when they got marginalised, when they went on strike five years ago. So hopefully it's a catalyst to, to send a message to this government that we, um, that we don't want to take no more. And we don't want to be here. Nobody wants a strike. But there is a principle of the matter that, you know, we have to. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, it's, if you get rid of the jobs, it just creates the network to be more unsafe, which means more turmoil for everyone. Having us work in means the trains are running, everyone gets to go do their jobs. And that's what we want. We enjoy our jobs. Everyone wants to go to work. We've just been left in this position these days. Despite hardly any services running in Kent today, traffic on the roads, surprisingly, doesn't seem to be as bad as feared. But how are the strikes affecting businesses close to railway stations? Well, our reporter Brad Harper has been to Rochester to find out. He's been speaking to Marion, who works in a coffee shop at the station itself, and Adam, who's a taxi driver and normally collects commuters outside. I think a lot of people are taking the week off, if they can. Yeah. So, yeah, and what's it been like today in comparison to yesterday? Uh, well, a bit, bit busier, more people, but not as normal. Not right. like as normal. It's, it's going to have an effect all week, isn't it? It's bound to. You notice that difference in terms of. Oh, trade. it's massive difference. Yeah, the, the ones that, that, that don't. Because you get a choice whether you want to work on a radio or not. And the ones who don't and come around here, they wouldn't have earned anything. Okay. So I think you might have got a couple before, you know, nine o'clock. But after that, nothing. And how are you expecting trade to be over the next few days? Pretty much the same, really. I think most people, if most people who can, are working from home. So um, it's difficult to say because it ain't happened for a long time, has it? So well, not in my time. Uh, we're actually shut for the three for the three days of the actual strike on the um, was it the Tuesday, Thursday, Thursday and Saturday. Saturday. Yeah, we're actually we know it's going to be that quiet. We might as well not even open up shop. But the um, the days that we are open at the moment, are just, it might as well not be bothered. Uh, it might not be open really, to be honest, because we're just not making anything. There's no customers. Oh. I don't know what the morning was like this afternoon. It's, just, it's like a ghost town. And, really and what's the? I don't know if you could give me a number at all in uh, how many less customers you've got in at the moment. I would say at the very least eighty percent. Okay. Uh, yeah, I would say at the very least eighty percent. It really has impacted the business. Right. Um, it doesn't look like we made much money today anyway either. Um, we're normally flat out in the mornings. 
So it is going to be yeah, like a trickle today. Um, they might even assume that uh, we might not even open up on the um, on the Friday at this rate. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but if, if they deem it not busy enough, like it might be too too more more expensive to keep the shop open than it is keeping it shut. So it's such a shame that like, you know we've lost a lot of customers because we've just only just got them back from the pandemic. Really, like we've only just started getting a good a good amount of customers back, and it's like all of a sudden it's just like we hit the pandemic again almost. Mm. Uh, and it's, it's it's not even really recovered from the pandemic at all. Our numbers are still not that great, and it will take a while to get them back up. Um, and this has really not helped at all, really. And what happens with like your stock? Are you just making stuff and people aren't turning up? Or yeah, no, it's more more or less um, when it comes to the pastries. Yeah, we just hope we just cook two and hope for the best that somebody might have them. Uh, otherwise, we end up giving them free at the end of the day over to the train staff that are still here at the moment, so they have it, so it doesn't go to waste. But we don't throw them away. We've even given them to the homeless a couple of times before just to stop the waste. Oh wow! Okay. But um, they're expensive pastries to get in, so it is a shame to have to have to waste them. Um, it's one of our biggest expenses, really, actually. Well, unless there's a breakthrough in the talks, another strike will go ahead on Saturday. The advice is still not to travel by train unless it's absolutely necessary on strike days. You can still follow our travel blog at Kent Online and hear regular travel bulletins on our sister radio station, KMFM. Kent Online News. Other top stories for you today in the death of a man found in a ditch two months after he went missing from his parents' home in Deal remains a mystery. 27-year-old Alex Holland disappeared after going out for a cigarette last November. His body was discovered three and a half miles away in February. An inquest has heard a post-mortem couldn't confirm a cause of death and his parents still believe it's suspicious. The coroner recorded an open conclusion. The way detectives investigated the death of a Kent man who was murdered by serial killer Stephen Port is going to be reinvestigated by the police watchdog. Lucy has the details for the Kent Online podcast. 21-year-old Daniel Whitworth was one of four men who were drugged and killed by Stephen Port between 2014 and 2015. You might remember their stories being told in the TV dramatisation Four Lives recently. Port is now serving a whole life sentence but an inquest in December found there were basic failings in the case and family members are concerned the death weren't treated seriously enough because the victims were gay. The Met Police have apologised and say they'll fully support the investigation by the IOPC. A stockroom worker who stole Apple AirPods, laptops and mobile phones from John Lewis at Bluewater has been jailed for more than two and a half years. An investigation found Lei Uong, who'd been a member of staff for more than 17 years, had taken £45,000 worth of items and sold them online. The 47-year-old from Southfield's in Gravesend admitted handling stolen goods. A man's been left with serious injuries after being hit in the face with a gas canister at a music festival in Kent. Violence broke out while he was dancing in one of the tents at Dream Valley in Lyd Airport and he ended up needing hospital treatment. Well, police are urging anyone who was there to get in touch. They also want to hear from people who might have been filming at the time. A Folkestone drug dealer's been jailed after more than £300,000 was found in the boot of a car. Jordan Nicholl was using an encrypted software to sell cocaine across East Kent. The 32-year-old from Atkinson Road has been locked up for four and a half years. His brother Ryan Nicholl, who's 37 and from Tram Road, also admitted being involved and will be sentenced at a later date. This podcast is sponsored by the FG Barnes Group with car dealerships in Canterbury and Maidstone. 
Now, the podcast has been told there's been a rise in racially and religiously motivated hate crime in Kent. More than 1,700 offences were recorded by police in the county last year, which is up 18% compared to 2020. It's thought the end of Covid restrictions and England's defeat in the Euros final could be partially to blame. A coroner's heard how a motorcyclist who died in a crash near Gravesend lost control of his bike and collided with the kerb. 22-year-old Kieran Ingram was killed in Park Pale in Shaun earlier this month. A full inquest will be carried out in November. His family are also raising money for the air ambulance charity. Bosses in part of Gravesend Town Centre fear they may go bankrupt as a road closure is extended. Milton Road's already been shut for four weeks after a huge fire at a former pub and now it won't reopen until the 6th of July. Well, shops and restaurants say it's having a huge impact on their trade. Reporter Alex Langridge has been there to speak to them and joins me now. Alex, thanks ever so much. Firstly, can you remind us when the fire happened and exactly how devastating it was? So the fire happened um, around a month ago now on May 26th at around 1pm. Um, the fire broke out in the roof of the former New Inn pub on the junction with Queen Street and Milton Road in Gravesend. Um, the firefighters were there for around 24 hours and operations didn't stop until the following day at around 12.30. Um, it was quite a devastating fire as described by eyewitnesses um, as most of the building um, collapsed into the road. There was bricks, wood um, scattered across the street blocking the pavement and the road therefore causing it to be closed. The roof was also destroyed on the adjoining pharmacy um, and smoke damage also happened to a couple of the other businesses on that stretch. And what's the scene like there at the moment? It is now um, further collapsed. Um, There has been scaffolding put up to try and um, prevent any further damage to the grade two listed building Um, but they have cornered off the road um, with some sort of tarpaulin um, and are starting to clear the bricks as we speak. So who have you been speaking to Alex and what did they have to say? So I've been speaking to the owner of Reliance Fish Restaurant in Queen Street, um, Jack Cameroon, who said he fears his shop will go under as customers aren't able to currently access the street that is still closed, um, predicted to be stay closed until um, Wednesday, July 6th. He said, we have been here 102 years, but it looks like we will go bankrupt. It's really bad. COVID has got nothing on this. It is just awful. It's unbelievable. We need help. It has taken four weeks to come to an agreement, but in the meantime, the whole town is suffering. He also said that their business was about 90% down in takings when the road was originally shut when the fire broke out. But now they've gone down to around 70%. Um, A couple of other businesses along that stretch of road um, echoed his thoughts and feelings. Um, the owner of the Asian market, Ha Tran, said it has affected us badly. A lot of people are not sure they can come down here and they do not want to break the law by doing so. They don't know how to get here. She added that they've lost a lot of trade, but they still have to pay rents and bills and they don't know how longer they could go on like this. The manager of the cake box on Milton Road, Jazz Willis, also said there has been a decrease in orders and drop-ins due to the less, the less footfall in the in the town centre. Finally, what's the response from authorities, including the council? Gratian Council have said that they are aware of the disruption, inconvenience and impact that the fire and the building collapse is causing to local businesses and traffic in the town. They did say there is pedestrian access to the businesses in Queen Street and changes have been made to the roads to help vehicles access it from the northern end. 
They added, we confirmed to the property owner several weeks ago the steps they needed to safeguard and make safe the site in line with their legal responsibilities for a Grade 2 listed building. Although this has taken longer than anticipated, we are pleased to see the works have now started and they will continue to press the owner for those actions to be completed as soon as possible. They did say, the spokesman did add that they are sympathetic to those businesses that have been impacted and they are doing their best to ensure that works will continue on site so the road and pedestrian access can be reopened as soon as possible. They suggested that any affected people should contact their insurance companies to see if they can make a claim. Alex, thank you ever so much. You can read Alex's report in full and see pictures of that scene by heading to the story at Kent Online. Kent Online reports. Two people have been treated by paramedics after breathing in smoke during a kitchen fire in Gravesend. Emergency crews were called to Hillside Avenue yesterday evening and managed to put out the blaze. The cause is thought to have been cooking-related. Meantime, Kent Fire and Rescue have told the Kent Online podcast they're having to work with really young children to stop them committing arson. The fire setters' intervention team say they've been helping kids as young as three. Anna Ryan works on the programme. So the fire setters team, we work up we work with anyone up to the age of about 18 and that's anyone that's got an unhealthy interest or a fascination with fire so it's not even necessarily young people that are actively setting fires but it's young people that have expressed an interest in doing so so we'd rather speak to them before the act rather than after um so obviously it's all about um prevention rather than cure and then we go in we see those young people either in school or in their home, sort of wherever suits everyone best, really, and depending on their needs. And we will work with them for an undefined period of time and offer them fire safety advice, education and mentoring. It's really difficult when we talk about trends with with fire setting because it is so varied. So the trends around reasons for fire setting um, are very, very different. So obviously we're going to come across trends um, of young people setting fire in an antisocial fashion and they're usually fairly short-lived um, or it could be and this is what we see most that our young people that are using fire are doing so because of an emotional need so they may be going through some difficult times at home or at school um, or you know the difficulties that we all face during our teenagers specifically but it's really quite sporadic usually um, and there's no sort of rhyme or reason to it don't panic because it's not as uncommon as you might think. So a lot of the time when parents contact us, they think, you know, that they're probably one of very few parents that are are going through this particular issue. Um, But it is more common um, than people think, unfortunately. Um, So some practical advice and tips for for parents or carers. Um, Obviously, if you've got a child in your home um, that's shown an interest in fire, then make sure any fire starting materials such as matches and lighters are still completely out of sight and completely out of reach of, of all young people. And that's including really young children. We do work with some quite young children. If they can get hold of the, the fire starting materials, um, you know, that's the start of the problem. So to keep everything locked away. Maybe with older children looking for lighters and matches in in bedrooms and school bags and sort of um, taking those away and having a conversation with the young person about why you're doing that. More widely, figures show 689 fires were started deliberately in Kent in the first five months of this year. About a quarter of those were in Medway. A yellow weather warning for thunderstorms is in force across Kent right now. It covers most of the county until midnight. The Met Office say torrential rain and lightning could cause flooding, power cuts and even travel disruption. Kent Online Sports. 
football and it's the day Gillingham fans have been waiting for. The fixtures for next season are out. Well, our Gillingham reporter Luke Cordell joins me now. So, how will life in League Two start for the Gillingham Luke? The first game of the season is going to be at uh, AFC Wimbledon on July the 30th. And now the um, Carabao Cup draw has just been taking place as well. And it, uh, Gillingham have been paired with Wimbledon again away from home. So, those two clubs are going to meet at Player Lane twice in the space of about 12 days, I think. Um, which will be quite interesting. Both teams relegated from League One last season. Uh, just three points separated them. And there's been some good feisty games between the two teams as well. Quite a good one to look forward to, really, for the season opener. Might be away from home, but considering some of the long games they could have, um, a trip to London's not too bad, is it, really? Um, should guarantee a decent away crowd, a decent away following for that first game before they host Rochdale for the actual first game at Priestfield. And what about that all-important period over Christmas and New Year? That's fallen quite nicely for Gillingham as well. They've got a home game on Boxing Day against Colchester United and then they've got a 29th of December game um, at Sutton United. It'll be their first ever visit to Sutton United. So that'll be quite a, an interesting one and no doubt it'll increase the away attendance a bit as well. A few fans wanting to go and see what it's like over there. And... Um, after those two games, there's the New Year's Day game at Stevenage, which will see the Jills against their former manager, Steve Evans, who has also taken their old goalkeeper, Aaron Chapman. There's a few old Jills players in that Stevenage team as well, like Elliot List and Luke Norris. So that will be another another game to look forward to. And there are some rather long journeys for diehard supporters this season, aren't there? And there are some long journeys as well. Two games in Cumbria, Carlisle and Barrow. Barrow's just about the furthest. I mean, Carlisle's further north on the map, but I think you've got to go towards Carlisle and turn uh, turn left to get to Barrow, and it's uh, it's another bit of a trek then. Um, so you're looking at about five hour journeys for both of those. So they're uh, they're ones to look forward to. Not not to mention the Grimsby Town match on a Tuesday night as well, um, quite early on in the season. But the the away Tuesday night games are, uh, aren't too bad actually. There's that Grimsby Town one, but I don't think there's anything. Other than that, to, to worry about too much. There's not really any games to the west of the country, so it's it's a, it's a strange sort of split, really. There's there's a lot of long distance games up sort of northwest, northeast, and then there's quite a few down sort of uh, Londony area as well. We've got um, likes of Wimbledon, um, Colchester, Crawley. So it, there's a bit of everything. There's a bit something for everything, everyone, I suppose. And we've also had news today on the Papa John's Trophy, haven't we? Well, the Pizza Cup, which is easy to say. Um, yeah, the draw for that has taken place today for the invited under-21 teams. So Gillingham will host Brighton and Hove Albion's under-21 team, um, as well as games against Charlton and Colchester United. So there's a four teams in the group, two teams go up um, into the second round. Um, it's a competition that, under their previous manager, they didn't really pay much attention to and they didn't really progress very far. I guess it's a when you've got a small squad, you've got to focus on the league, really, haven't you? And um, that competition is way down in their priority list. But it's a good chance for some of the youngsters to gain some experience. Thank you ever so much. And you can check out our interactive fixtures map by clicking on the story at kentonline.co.uk. Cricket and Kent Zach Crawley is part of the England squad for their final test against New Zealand. They're aiming to complete a 3-0 series victory in the match at Headingley, which has got underway today. 
Elsewhere, Kent's head coach says they need to press the reset button on their season. The Spitfires have lost nine of their 11 T20 matches and they're not doing too well in the county championship either. Matt Walker's held a meeting with a squad to try and turn things around as they get ready to welcome Sussex to Canterbury in the T20 Blast tomorrow. Well, that's all from us for today. Thanks ever so much for listening. Don't forget, you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. Plus, you can now get access to the ad-free Kent Online premium site. All you need to do is subscribe. Just head to kentonline.co.uk forward slash subscribe. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online podcast. This podcast is sponsored by the FG Barnes Group with showrooms in Canterbury and Maidstone, offering a range of new and approved used cars, including MG, Seat and Vauxhall.